Hello and welcome to Soul Self. I'm your host, Shayna, a board-certified embodiment coach and master energy healer. Here we talk all things magic, love, sex, money, brain, hormones, and energy. You'll walk away with new truth bombs because I love talking about all the things people are thinking but too afraid to say, as well as educating you on everything I know in this mind, body, and soul of mine. You can find ways to work with me and products to enhance your life at bloomshakti.com. Hi loves, welcome to Soul Self. So today I want to talk about how you can prevent trauma in your children and break ancestral patterns. And today's episode is for parents or anyone that wishes to become one. I know for sure when I do become a parent, I will definitely be having, you know, more knowledge and practices and programs and whatever on conscious parenting. And honestly, I think that some of the best fucking parents are the ones who do plan it, but also the people who've just done a shit ton of fucking work and they've made peace and are friends with their inner child. And on that note, I also want to say that when you have children, that is an opportunity for you to actually do inner child work. But of course, being a parent comes with so many responsibilities, you know? But the reason I want to talk about this is because um, I've had a lot of clients doing ancestral work and my work seems to be in loops of like women having to focus on feminine embodiment or ancestral healing or, you know, we just do like deep trauma, dark shit. But I've helped so many parents prevent passing their trauma to their children. So this episode, I'm hoping to give you tips that you can implement into your life. And I'm going to explain some differences between the male and female brain. Now, that being said, I am not a coach or healer or person that dismisses people's sexualities and I think that when I talk about masculine feminine, it's an energetic thing. And of course, there's the male-female brain. Regardless of whether you are a woman with a feminine core or not. Okay? I want to preface that. So go with what actually feels right for you. I'm also going to be diving into how you can best serve your child as a mother or father. And I'm going to give a lot of examples. Um with past clients, like things that you should definitely avoid, but things that are also empowering in how to show up best for your family. So if this episode resonates with you at the end of it, I would really appreciate if you can help me share my purpose, share it on your Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, or even just messaging and sending it to someone that you feel would benefit. It would mean the world to me. So No matter what you do, your kids are going to fucking have trauma, period, the end. doesn't matter how perfectly you raise them, how loved you make them feel, and you will obviously, you can reduce a lot of the chances of their trauma feeling like they're not deserving, loved enough, enough. I'll go into that in a little bit, but the main thing that I want you to really understand is that Trauma doesn't come from just an intense situation. It really comes from the perception that you have in the moment of the incident. So for example, 
if you as a kid walked into your mom's room with the with like a present for her, right? A drawing, and she's screaming at you to get out, you can take that as I'm not accepted by mom or mom doesn't love me when literally it was just that she was shoving a tampon in and you came in as a kid and that's like get the fuck out right um and so what happens she didn't mean anything nasty by that she didn't say that you weren't loved or that you weren't enough or that you're in trouble or anything like that she just got startled in the moment but you perceived it as mom doesn't love me, I'm not deserving, whatever it is. So what happens is you try to go by your whole life to avoid getting that feeling in where, which you, you know, walked into the bathroom, you know, to give your mom with your drawing or whatever, give your mom a drawing, whatever, right? And the truth is mom was just shoving a tampon on it. So whatever, no matter what you do for kids, it's about how they perceive it and you're not in control of how they receive your actions, situations, the environment that you're in. You can't control some things, but you can't control everything. And if you spend your whole life as a parent trying to cuddle and protect your kids from, you know, not having trauma because you don't want that to be hanging over your head, like you fucked them over or whatever, honestly, you're going to fuck your kids over regardless. It's just going to happen and they're going to get traumatized by something or you didn't do something right or they misinterpreted something it's called a human experience and you literally cannot avoid it so don't wind yourself up as a parent trying to avoid something that's unavoidable if that makes sense so now that we're clear on that (laughs) you're not perfect as a parent there's no way you can be perfect and there's no way that you can prevent your children from having trauma you know there are ways that you can heavily reduce your kids picking up on your trauma or trauma getting passed down or them being traumatized by something creating beliefs right creating beliefs is core and the first thing I feel like a lot of us are aware of it is like passing down trauma which is ancestral trauma right I'm not going to go too into it because I do have a program it's not a like it's actually part of witch wisdom so if that interests you then there's a bonus module on how to do ancestral healing but I think it's really important to get out of um, victimhood and say that you can't help break trauma because you can you know and what happens for example like just to keep it brief with ancestral trauma is we hold trauma in our bodies and let's say for example Your grandmother, she went through a very stressful period in her life, let's say World War II, and as a result, that ruined her gut lining and microbiome. Then she gave birth to your mom, and she had a shitty gut microbiome too, and because of how your grandma acted, your mother grew up with a fear of something bad's always going to happen, right? Because your grandmother had that. So it was passed on to your mom because that's the environment she grew up in. And that's the environment that she was born into. Because when she was in the womb, maybe she had some low cortisol levels when she was born. Because your grandmother, her mom, also had low cortisol when giving birth or getting pregnant. Because she was in a state of high cortisol so long that she goes into low cortisol. Um... So even in a state of like high cortisol, 
you know, being in an adrenal, adrenaline rush, like your adrenals obviously burn out and give out and you go into low cortisol, that actually shows up as, you know, feeling like you've been hit by a bus and you'll get like a slight wind of energy at 9 p.m. But anyways, what happens is your mom's born into this, you know, environment where her gut microbiome's fucked up and she had low cortisol basically from birth and she grew up in an environment where there was constant fear of something bad happening. If she didn't break it, guess what? It gets passed down to you. That's essentially how ancestral trauma works and it's held in our body, in our DNA because of the way that trauma affects our physical body. So it affects our gut microbiome, our hormone levels, all the things. Now, inflammation as well. And, you know, it's not something that's one and done. It's something that you work on. It takes time. There's new levels and layers to it all. So, for example, my parents are from Fiji Islands. And my great-great-great-great-grandparents were enslaved from Pakistan, India, what had no border. And... As a result, you know, they were taken to work on the sugarcane plantations. Um, I grew up in a house where there was plenty, okay? There was fucking plenty. But even till this day, my father, he, there's like arguments over food. There's like just stupid shit around food. And it's just annoying, you know? And as a result, during my teenage years... And this is something I was not aware of until recently, okay? Um, I would have, like, one meal a day. Mind you, when I was a teenager, I was in soccer. I was in boxing, like, training, you know? And I would go into states of, um, like, I'd have one large meal and that's it. And I find myself having the tendency to still do that. So, I have a morning routine that's pat down, um, having my apple cider vinegar shot, lemon water, tea, whatever, right? And my mornings usually start off really well, even though sometimes I just don't know what the fuck to eat or I'm tired of eating the same shit. But um, I find myself, you know, through college, I would have one fucking grande frappuccino and that's it. I would basically be living off sugar. So now I'm at this age where I'm like, okay, blood sugar balancing, fertility foods, and (laughs) the whole thing. But it's also something that I have to try towards. It's it's, I strive towards it. Um, Or else I'll just have something with a lot of carbs and then not fucking eat well. And then my intuition gets fucked up and sessions don't go well. Tried and done that. So it's like not even, you know, at this point... It's my health, it's my business, it's everything. So I have to be in integrity and really, you know, strive towards it. Um, and I do good for the most part, but I, with the days that I don't have clients, I will say, like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to fucking eat and I'll, like, starve myself. But it's not to, like, be skinny or whatever. It's more so, I think it's more so, like, a spiritual purge for me um, because, I always do sessions on an empty stomach or close to empty because, you know, I have to make sure my gut, which is my main source of intuition, right? Our womb space and everything 
um, it needs to be like open to receive and there needs to be space for me to like be able to channel energy through and stuff. So, but anyways, yeah, so there's, um, ancestral trauma, an example in my family, the whole argument over food and me breaking the cycle of like actually eating more frequently and what have you. So yeah. Um, and the most obvious way to ensure that you don't pass trauma and beliefs on like negative beliefs onto your children is for you to break ancestral trauma. So, for example, it's um, the another ancestral trauma was scarcity around money, right? Um, my dad came to America, made his life, right? And, yeah, like, he broke those, you know, limiting beliefs, and it's crazy because he just believes in himself so much. Like he's just so confident and stuff. And I really admire that. So the fact that my dad did that now my, for me, what he's passed down onto his children is that we can pursue our dreams. You know, we can, we don't, we're not stuck in this mindset of like having to work a nine to five, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it's hard, right? Because I had the social programming, societal conditioning. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I can do it. Like, if my dad can do it, then of course, you know, I can do it as well. And my mom, she's more so of a person who's like, do what you want as long as you're happy. Um, but she was like the one who pushed me to go to college and everything because I am the first person in my family to go to college and even have a master's degree. Um, yet, it was like always a thing of be independent, have your own money, don't ever depend on a man. So there's a lot of beliefs that like intertangle with each other and stuff, just to kind of give you an example. So, um, yeah. And... Also, I've had a lot of women come to me recently who are like, I really want to work with you. I listen to your podcast on trauma and I don't want to pass trauma on to my children. And there's some stuff that you can't do with trauma healing when you're pregnant, but there's a lot that you can do and you can break a lot of cycles when you're pregnant, but it's better to just do it beforehand, you know? Um, because then it changes your life. Like it changes your business, your, how you show up in your relationship, you know, everything. So it's super heavy, exciting work. And yeah, my point being (laughs) number one thing for everyone to be doing how to prevent trauma being passed down to your children is you need to break as much trauma as you can, as many shitty beliefs as you can as many blocks as you can so you don't get them passed on to your children bad habits you know going into trauma responses triggers over certain things because then you're not going to project it and put it on them okay when they are screaming you're not going to snap and project all your shit onto them you're going to stay calm cool and collected and boom you've just done something that a majority of women can't fucking do because they haven't healed their shit Right, And then they go into a whole trauma response when their kids start screaming, for example. So that's number one. And obviously you doing your own work, 
it because like you become very self-aware and you can pass that awareness onto your children. So, um, oh my God, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Um, if you're aware that, like, if you've become really self-aware, when your kid comes home crying from school, you're going to know how to handle it really well, which is actually going to be very healing for your child, which is going to make you feel like there's resolution, right? And it's not like shit's just getting shoved under the carpet. You're actually finding a true resolution for it, okay? That makes sense. So doing your own work, it allows you to bring that awareness into your parenting, your family, and it allows bringing that compassion, empathy, understanding, and just healing energy to your children when they're in situations that they really need you. Because the reality is a child's looking for how to respond, how to behave. They're looking at you. So when you're responding and behaving in a negative way, they learn that's how you respond and behave. And then they go out and do that. So if you're projecting your anger and frustration at your husband, guess what? They're learning that, that that's acceptable. And then they grow up to do that same thing. But when you've broken that, they're not going to do that because they don't see that being shown to them. And they know, okay, this is not how you behave with your partner, right? Or for example, if you model teach and show them that it's healthy to express your emotions, then they're going to do that for themselves. They're not going to grow up bottling all their emotions up. They're going to grow up feeling safe to feel their emotions. And you're going to have a child that has a very nervous, uh, regulated nervous system versus one that doesn't because you don't know how to do that. So you can't teach your children how to do that as well, right? And on the note of helping your child move through something, right? Like, a situation let's regroup remember there's a trauma scale okay you can have small amounts of trauma or large amounts of trauma your child can come home and they've been bullied at school they could slip and fall on the concrete and hit their arm or like break its arm it's their arm I know it's not like a huge trauma in the grand scale of things but it's still trauma right and it's all about how the child perceives the situation. So for example, if they fell and hit their arm, broke their arm, but you made them feel really loved and safe and let them just cry it all out and not tell them to be quiet, for example, they're going to perceive that situation completely different than a parent that gets in, in trouble for fucking falling. Oh my God, you've broken your arm. Shut the fuck up. Stop crying. We're going to the hospital and getting angry about it, right? They're going to perceive that situation entirely different. So for one kid, that could be a really traumatic situation. For another kid, they won't even remember it. And this is why it's so fascinating to me when I work with clients and I take all my different modalities and they have modalities pop up that they haven't remembered in the longest time. Or they're like, this is such a random memory. Like, why do you remember, you know, why do why am I remembering this? Why am I remembering this of all the memories, right? And I know why. It's because it's the data state, things that we remember from our childhood, and there's things that we forget. And forgetting things doesn't mean that, oh, it was a good memory, so I forgot it. You can also forget things because it's so traumatic, but it's still there and we have to bring it out because it's, 
still in your body and the trauma response is going off. So we need to learn to like bring it up to turn it off. So the most important thing with your child to help them move through trauma is letting them feel their emotions, validating their feelings and feeling their emotions. This doesn't mean you cuddle. There's a thin line between the two, right? Also, I should probably preface, I'm not a fucking parent. I'm a fur mama to my wonderful cat, Raj, but I'm not a parent. So what I'm sharing with you is I'm sharing with you information based on what I know about trauma and children and how children grow up and the difference between a girl's brain and a boy's brain, how that changes. This is based on what I know on trauma and what I have done with my clients, but I'm also, you know, an older sister to a 16 year old. So I was literally 15 when my mother had my sibling. So I am sharing what I've seen huge changes in for things I practiced and things that my clients have practiced. So that's what I'm really basing this off of. Um, you know, basically I know all this because of me knowing trauma in the human body. So just want to preface that. (laughs) Um, but there's always going to be a line where you don't want to be coddling your child. Um, I don't see any of my clients that have been coddled thriving. If anything, it creates a feeling of unsafety in their own body because it's like, I can't trust myself because they've outsourced, Um, their trust and their power and their leadership to their mother because their mother coddled them their whole life, right? And that can result in the child becoming a people pleaser and it's because they just want their mother's love and attention because they've grown up with that in a very extreme situation, you know? Um, And then what makes them feel safe is their mother coddling them. So... It's important to let your child feel their emotions, process it, but, you know, letting them sit in it forever, that's not going to fucking help at all, okay? Um, Especially girls, okay? I'm going to go through girls and boys in a little bit, but, um, for example, if your daughter's getting bullied and she comes home and you're telling her, it's okay, don't let them, you know, don't let them affect you, you're strong, yada, 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 that's not going to do shit. Because you're invalidating the feelings that she's actually experiencing. Instead, what would help is, honey, let it all out. Tell me everything that's going on. What are you feeling? Feel, 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 right? Encourage her to feel her emotions so she doesn't trap it all in her body. Okay? And she'll, she won't be like, oh, I don't want to go to school because of X, Y, Z. That's where you can empower her to feel good in her body, right? You don't want to raise kids that are afraid of everything because you're overdoing the whole trauma and safety thing. And that's what I see in the personal development world is like it just fucking trauma healing that everyone's apparently fucking doing now is that people are becoming too sensitive where they can't even live as a human being because... They're like so trauma-informed, walking around on eggshells, don't want to disrupt anyone, don't want to ruffle any feathers because, oh my God, I don't want to go into a trauma response. And the thing is like, 
have a relaxed nervous system, right? Like you can't, you can't live your life that way. There's going to be moments where you do get triggered, where you do ruffle some feathers, where you do put someone in a trauma response, where you do disrupt the fucking flow and you're agitated and stressed. And you know what? It's okay. You don't have to become so sensitive like that they literally, you know, that your kids even feel like they can't fucking live in the world. That's not where you want to go. You don't want to get to the point where you're so self-aware, so sensitive, kind of fucking pathetic that you can't even fucking live because you're so aware of your trauma. Be aware of it. But if you've healed it, move on. Don't become so acutely aware that you're overthinking and driving yourself crazy because that's not going to help you or your kids. At the end of the day, it's a balance of being strong but also not holding on to shit, not bottling things up, if that makes sense. And for a boy, for example, him getting bullied, depending on his age, yeah, he might want to cry, let him get it out, whatever. But if he's older, if he's going into those teenage years, his brain is changing as his testosterone comes through. So when a boy and a girl are young, they can kind of be treated the same. Because their hormone levels are similar. Not same, but similar. And when a boy goes into his teenage years, right, he has more testosterone. So his brain is going to change. And as that, as that testosterone comes through, he's not going to get emotional. He's just going to get fucking angry. And you suppressing your boy's anger is the worst fucking thing that you can do. You're not making it disappear you're suppressing it. And you know what happens? What the fuck happens if you shake a champagne bottle? The cork's going to blow off, hit the roof, cause a damage, dent in the roof, whatever the fuck. And there's going to be champagne all over. Right? That was a really fucking visual, uh, vivid visual. But I wanted to paint that picture for you guys. So my point being is bottling up emotions isn't going to lead to anything. And unfortunately, what we're seeing a lot is these young boys, young men coming through that are very suppressed, very feminine, and there's a lot of anger behind their facade, right? A lot of anger because there's this fear of being a man, apologizing for having to be a man. Um, you know what? A couple of years ago, there was a, there was an issue that happened. I think it was in another country. I think it was like Australia. But basically these boys were having to apologize for being a boy. And you know what that really does? That is... All that really does is suppress a man's innate fucking desire. Okay? Okay? Like a man's innate purpose. And if it's suppressed, guess what? It's going to be released in a blackout rage situation where they don't remember doing it. And then they're going to cause damage to someone or something. And this is also why men are more prone to addiction because we live in a society that's fucked everything up and men and women don't know their places. And then, you know, I, it's just, my heart goes out to men, seriously. Like, that's why there's so many men that are addicts, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, gambling, working even, you know, and aggressive 
men, generally speaking, are suppressed men. The men that have gotten comfortable with their anger, emotions, their expression, they're not suppressed. Therefore, they're not angry. They're not dangerous. They're not aggressive because they aren't bottling up all this suppressed energy that accidentally gets projected onto other people when they're triggered. They release it when they need to release it in a healthy environment and it's fucking gone. They're not getting triggered by things. So, I mean, you can do this for girls too because girls get angry. But for your sons, I think girls get more angry when all their progesterone, estrogen, you know, hormone profiles change. But because it's like what's happening in my body, right? Their, their brain's changing. Everything's changing. So when your kid starts going into adolescent years, teenage years, where the brain's changing because of the hormones coming through, they're going to want to be more expressed, right? When they're three, they just cry and that's fine. But they're going to want to get angry and you suppressing that for a boy or girl is not healthy. And when we look at research with girls being bullied, right? Sisterhood wounding, bullying. A lot of the problem is the suppression of anger, especially because girls are very good at hiding the bullying. As in, girls are really good at playing this game of I'm the perfect student, but then bullying other people, you know, other teachers and parents aren't seeing it. So no one can actually stop it, if that makes sense. And that's why girls have more bitchiness and this backstabbing and constant fear of being wrong. And it creates this intense fear of rejection from school. Like the sisterhood wounding stuff from school is real. I have episodes on that. So go to the website, bloomshakti.com podcast directory and look for sisterhood wounding. I think there's like two episodes on it, but you know, like a girl wouldn't just punch something in school whereas a boy would, right? And research has shown it's a lot more fucking damaging because there's this constant mental fear and it feels like you're being, you know, you feel like, oh, what's the word? You don't feel validated by teachers and parents. So it's like your word against them. And it's very invalidating. It's very lonely for girls. So it's different, you know. It can make them feel depressed, have anxiety, what have you, you know. Especially if anger is triggered from elsewhere. Like maybe it's being suppressed at home. Heartbreak from a boy that they like. Like whatever it is. So when it comes to anger, it's really important as a parent to... Create something in your environment, whether it's at home, taking them somewhere where they're just able to express their anger and rage, their, you know, emotions and frustrations in a really healthy way. And especially for boys and girls, like you teach them that anger and frustration are fine. You know, it's an emotion that you want to feel and you just want to make sure that it's done in a healthy way and we're not projecting it onto someone else. And we never want to project onto someone else, right? Like, we don't want to project onto our partners. We don't want to project onto, you know, project our shit onto our girlfriends. We got to express our anger. We shouldn't be projecting onto anyone. It's not healthy for you or them. And it just really doesn't lead to anything good. So when you can teach your children from a young age that emotions are healthy, just Make sure that you're letting them let it out in a healthy way 
not onto someone else, that is one of the best fucking things you can do for your kids. Because then when they face hardships or traumatic situations or whatever it is, they don't go into a fight, flight, freeze, fawn response and bottle up all this trauma in them, which then fucks them, you know, however many years later until they do some healing work, right? Somatic healing, not just like Reiki, because Reiki alone isn't going to do anything. Um, but you can prevent that happening, you know, or at least some of it happening from a young age. So setting up like a boxing bag in your garage, like I, you know, grew up boxing, uh, maybe chop wood if you live out in the middle of like nowhere, throwing fucking apples at a brick wall, make it fun, like make emotional expression fun. And it's also going to be more engaging for them. Um, there's also like rage rooms nowadays. There's this place in LA called rage ground. Um, maybe go there once a month, you know, like teaching your kids how to do all those things. I'm actually going to pull up the pricing for Rage Ground. I want to see how much it is. Oh, cool. Look, glow in the dark paint splatter 45 minutes for $44. And you got to be 10 or older. And it includes safety gear, eight glow in the dark paint bottles, brushes, one canvas, you know? Um, but I know that there's like this place where you just like break shit. Oh, here it is. Warrior package, 45 minutes, $110. Um, safety gear, weapons for raging, breakable items. 20 minis, 40 smalls, 8 mediums. Yeah, so there's like all these different packages. I guess it really just depends on how fucking pissed off you are, you know? Um, yeah, so there's that. And also another thing, you can buy like... This is going to sound really bad, so I hope no one like outs me, but... Um, you could buy plates from 99 cent store or Dollar Tree and then just go to a park or someplace um, and you just throw them and yell and scream. Um, I've done this at 11 in the night <laughs> in the fucking smart and final parking lot. And honestly, it helped me a lot uh, just getting everything out because it was much needed but my clients also know about a sacred anger practice that you can schedule time to do once a week as well and honestly there's just so many ways you know it's about having the tools and normalizing it knowing that hey it's fucking okay and you're not crazy so yeah there's that and remember the main thing is that a child is looking to you for permission and safety okay so if you're expressing your emotions they're going to feel better about expressing their emotions, especially if you're doing it in a healthy way and not expressing it onto them. And a lot of parents actually project onto their children, which isn't good because you as a parent should know or learn how to process your own shit, heal your trauma. So you're not projecting your frustration that you have, you know, with your partner onto your kid, right? And obviously with press processing of emotions as a kid, it's not okay to unfortunately scream and, you know, during recess at school, but telling your children here is the place where we express our emotions in a healthy way, right? So when you've had a fucked up day at school, come home, let me know. 
we're going to put some heavy metal music on, Lincoln Park, whatever it is, and we're going to let it all out. You want to let them know that it has to be expressed and it has to be in the right environment and continually give them that right environment and don't ever make them feel shame or guilt or any of those kind of emotions for feeling something, right? Like if you're suppressing your child's emotions, that's not helping. You can get your kid out of a negative spiral, but if they need to cry or scream or whatever, the best thing you can do is just let them do it 100%. So welcome anger. Don't tell them not to get angry about something. You know, when your kids are having a meltdown, let them fucking enjoy and have a meltdown. Like, encourage them to keep feeling. Don't tell them to shut up. Don't tell them to... Don't stop the meltdown. Don't stop them from crying. Let them cry it out. They will stop crying if they feel held. Like, it'll be a lot faster for them to process. Because remember, they know how to process. The human body knows how to process. It has innate wisdom. So if they're crying about something because their sibling was being mean to them, if you grab and hold them and say, cry it all out, baby, like they cry it all out and that's it. It's done. They're going to be like, okay, I'm good, mommy. I'm going to go keep playing, right? And you're going to be like, the fuck? Like, you know, but that's what happens when you process things really quickly. You know, when you process things quickly, you can be in the depths of despair And once that's gone, it's like, okay, I'm good now, right? And you just continue with your day because you've processed something and it's not sitting in your body anymore. So you want to teach your children that because when they're young, you have the opportunity of inhibiting trauma from happening, inhibiting negative beliefs from happening, inhibiting energetic blocks from happening. So when they're an adult... They don't have to work on the block of I'm not enough for, you know, three months to clear it somatically because, you know, there's fucking 70 other situations and shit that has happened to them. But the beauty of what I do, you know, is that we can clear this shit out. And even if you have struggled with something your whole life, it's not the rest of your life. You could be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, clear this once and for all. And that's it, you know. You doing this work is going to benefit them, you know. Your child's learning. They're still looking to you. So even if your kids are in their 20s, you doing this work is monumentally healing for them, you know, regardless of their age. So, yeah. Um... The next thing that I want to mention, and it's kind of taboo for me to say, is you can emasculate your son and you don't want to be doing that. Especially when, you know, we're seeing so many men and you especially don't want to emasculate your son, especially when we're seeing so many men not embracing and embodying their healthy masculine energy. We want to be reducing the emasculation of boys because it's not going to help them to feel safe in their masculinity. It's going to make them feel suppressed. And what happens then? They bottle it up. It comes up in an unhealthy way. So if it's possible, a lot of 
Look, okay, so a lot of the current men that we are seeing, let's say, for example, the men that are in their 30s and 40s right now, or right about that time frame, right? 30s, 40s. A lot of men, men, maybe even like 20s, okay? They're, they, like, those kids were raised by their mom, right? The mom raised them. Prior to men being, like, dad's not being around and all this shit, right? There was a lot of masculine figures that actually helped raise boys, right? Because on the weekends, they'd all go do their chores. There would be this big sense of community. So even if a young boy's dad wasn't around all the time because he was working, he had other masculine figures that took this little boy under their wing and trained them to be a man. That is a very common thing back in the olden days, right? That we saw. And what's happened is a lot of mothers that were raising their children, if they are coddling their sons and trying to ensure their sons don't become bad men and their sons are sensitive and nice and all those kind of things, that's more new age parenting. Or the problem with that is that you're trying to make your son a girl, a daughter, right? The problem is you are trying to mother your son the way you would be mothering a daughter. So what's happening is, and what I mean by this is, for example, when you're pregnant, you would go for a gender reveal, right? And then you tell you, oh, it's a girl. So you get attached to the idea of a girl. Or let's say you've just always wanted a daughter. You're like obsessed with having a daughter, daughter, daughter you know, you're going to want a daughter, right? Like that's the energy you're, you're basically putting out, even though it's a happy, healthy boy. And I actually have experience in this because not me personally, but my aunt actually always wanted, so she had one boy and then she wanted a girl. She wanted a girl so bad that my second cousin, so the second boy that she had, she pretty much treated him like a girl. And then when he was 10, she ended up getting pregnant again and having a girl. But that family's just got interesting dynamics. They live in Texas, hardcore Republicans. I ain't gonna say anything else, but let's just leave it there. Because you're a woman, and don't take this the fucking wrong way, because you're a woman and you literally have a different brain, you are, unless you're very aware of it, generally speaking, not raising your son in a way that's gonna help him to be a fucking man you're raising your son in a way that's going to make him more so a softer quote weaker man because you're trying to protect him in a feminine way not in a masculine way he needs to be protected in a masculine way if that makes sense so I know this is a really touchy subject and I don't want any of you to take this the wrong way, but what I'm saying is two things. One, be aware of not emasculating your son. Don't say, why don't you ever fucking help me around the house? Why don't you ever pack the dishwasher? Honey, what is preventing you from helping me around the house? What? Not why. Okay. Stop shaming him. Stop belittling him. Stop saying things that are instilling this idea that you do not trust him. Because at the end of the day, even a little boy, he wants to be a man for his mom. He wants to be the man of the house. Even a 10-year-old boy, he wants to protect you. That's in his biology. 
this isn't something we're thinking this is in his biology he wants to protect you and that's why you see little boys be like mommy don't cry what's wrong mommy like right trying to protect their moms because that is literally within them so if you can one stop emasculating and two try to have if you can get your partner your husband or another male figure that you really trust to be an influential part of your son's life if you can if you are still married um or if the dad's still around really try to have him be the one to discipline your son and you as the woman are the one disciplining your daughter and the reason this is important is because the way that a father wants to discipline a daughter is completely different most of the time to the way a daughter would a mother would discipline her daughter if you're a woman listening to this maybe there's a lot of instances that came up for you when i said that because you felt shamed by your dad or you felt wrong or you feel less than because your dad was trying to parent you and he doesn't know how to parent a daughter and this is one of the most common things that comes up for my clients. I actually take them through this modality that's very emotional and they realize that their dads just didn't know what the fuck to be doing with their daughter. The dad's like, I don't know how to parent a daughter. You know, you're emotional, you change your mind every day. One day you one minute you like this, the next minute you don't. I don't know how to deal with you. And it's not in a negative way, it's just that they haven't been taught. And it can really be helpful for a child in terms of trauma and their upbringing beliefs and all that stuff. If the disciplining can be done by the same sex. So daughter gets disciplined by mom, son gets disciplined by father or another fatherly figure. Because it's going to be done in a way that is receptive to that child's brain. So if a mother's trying to discipline her son... It can come across as shaming and emasculation and that's going to make him feel like less than a man and he's going to go into his little turtle shell. That's not going to help him rise into becoming the man that he's meant to be. But when a man disciplines his son, the way that it's going to be done is it's done in a way that it's like, I need to step up and be a better man. Obviously, depending on the child's age, but when possible... You want to make sure there's always a motherly or fatherly figure in your child's life to ensure that they have someone in their life that has the same brain, okay? And that's going to be helpful. And one thing to note is when a woman goes into menopause, her brain changes again and it becomes more like a boy's brain, as in there's less estrogen, less progesterone. So you don't really want a grandmother, for example, disciplining a daughter like a young girl or a grandmother um, disciplining like a teenage boy because the brains aren't, it's just not the right um, brain capacity, capability. You want a man that's still in his prime age, quote prime age, to be disciplining your son and then a woman who's in her prime age to be disciplining her daughter so hormonal profiles are on point you know um something else i wanted to mention is 
kids respond and make truth out of their parents' facial expressions, especially girls. So if you look at girls, if you watch a girl playing with her parents in the room, she'll often be staring at her mother's face. And it's because the way that our brains are as women, it's very interesting. We can read facial expressions better than a man can or a boy can. You know when you can just tell a woman's about to start crying as a woman? It's our ability to read facial expressions and body language. We have this incredible ability to do so and men don't have that ability unless until they train themselves to know. That's why sometimes you can be on the verge of tears and your boyfriend has no fucking idea. It's not because he doesn't know you well enough or it's not because he doesn't care about you. It's because he's not able to pick up on those context clues, okay? Those subtle facial shifts like we are programmed to. Obviously, if you've been with him for a while, he'll know when you're in the about to cry phase, okay? But before that, his brain's not going to pick it up. That whole before about to cry phase. Whereas a woman can pick that up from the tiniest subtle shifts. And it's really important as a parent that you are not, if you can, remember, can't be a fucking perfect parent, but when possible, limit a child's trauma by being aware of your facial expressions of pain, sadness, anger, or grief in front of your child and try not to be processing your trauma in front of your kids because it's not going to help them. Even if you tell them nothing's wrong, you're safe, blah, 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 the words aren't the same as seeing. So they're gonna take what they see as truth, not what you say, okay? Because even if you're saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, but they can see your face is not fine, the face is the truth. I hope that makes sense. So that's really important. And the last thing that I wanna notate is I want to say that remember that as an adult, we can perceive something as we're totally fine in this situation, but as a child, they perceive themselves as like, I'm about to fucking die. Because remember, our adult brains have years of experience, of knowledge. We can see a situation for what it is, which is very different than, you know, like how a child perceives a situation. A child takes less data and they get a summary like I'm gonna die this is dangerous whereas an adult we're taking a bunch of data of like okay which is an ideal to be in whatever will be fine but a child same situation but a child sees it differently okay and it's really important as a parent to understand that just because you perceive something one way doesn't mean that a child is going to perceive it the same way don't invalidate your kids tell them they're loved tell them that they're safe Tell them they're deserving. Be confident in them. Don't fucking put them down for having a shitty grade one time. Instead, tell them, ask them, like, baby, I'm proud of you no matter what. You know, is there anything I can be, we can be doing to help you feel more confident going into taking your test? You need to understand that your children are, you know, generally speaking, if they're in a loving household, they're doing their best. As a human, we want to be doing our best. We want to be achieving. We want to grow. If they're not doing their best and they don't give a fuck, 
that's because they're not in an environment that's making them want to achieve, making them want to grow, making them want to be better. You need to figure it out. You got to be inquisitive instead of shaming your kids to be better. It's going to fucking worsen the situation. So the way that you speak to your children, the tone of voice, how you ask questions, it's really important, especially for boys like ask a question and let them think about it for three hours until they come back to you that's part of understanding men and that's something that i've really helped you dive deeper into in my program let men be men which if you're not in it you should probably join you should join honestly that program teaches you how to be a better fucking partner have be a better daughter co-worker to males being a better boy mom like it's just it's going to radically change your son's upbringing, especially if he's heavily raised by you. And that's okay if he's heavily raised by a woman, but just understand men because then you'll feel confident in knowing that you're raising a good man and not a boy, not a man child, okay? That's literally up to you. You're you're responsible for the upbringing, the raising of that child, okay? And something else that you can do to prevent trauma and just allow your kids to, like, have their best fucking life. Oh, physical health, okay? Um, a lot of kids are actually heavily stressed. They're comparing themselves on social media. They're anxious. They're depressed. The list fucking goes on. And it's sad. So... One, you telling your kid not to do something, it's not going to work. Telling your 16-year-old kid, don't drink, they're going to fucking go drink. (laughs) I hope most of you know that. And I know as a parent, that's really hard, you know, to hear. And you know, like, you don't want to give them, you know, alcohol. But that's where the nervous system regulation work comes in. Because if you can literally be in control of your mind, your thoughts, your nervous system... You're going to be like, I don't want to fucking do this, but I actually know my child will be safer. Me knowing when they're drinking and them feeling like it's safe for them to come to me or being like, hey, mom, I'm too drunk. I need you to pick me up. That child's going to be so much safer than the kids. And we all fucking know this, right? If you've been to high school, you know, there's the kids, those kids who would be like shamed by their parents or whatever, which was, I was definitely part of that group. Um like even boys like oh my god like I can't let my parents find out I'm gonna go to the football game to see this boy and whatever you know like that because there's a lot of us that would be really fucking scared of getting you know kicked out or whatever and like the kids who wouldn't right like the kid okay so the girl who's supposedly gonna she thinks that she's gonna get kicked out by her parents she's gonna fucking drink more versus the girl whose parents are like, no, honey, like, let us know when you're drunk, we'll pick you up, right? They'll fucking, that kid knows, like, her parents are gonna fucking be there for her. So, because of the collective trauma, this is the physical part that I want to talk about, because of the collective trauma, um, the pressure, the fear, the comparisonitis, all that kind of stuff of social media, the media in general, filters, all those kind of things, and them not having like I feel like kids don't have a real sense of reality nowadays obviously that you know that affects the gut health 
because the vagus nerve levels are going to affect the microbiome hormone levels it affects so many things if if you've been following me then you know um like for example you know the physical effect of trauma on your body right it's not happening to you then it's going to happen to your child right so little things that are going to help like that catch 22 dude if you're stressed and anxious all the time it throws your gut microbiome off and it makes you fucking anxious because we know that vast majority of serotonin serotonin transmitters are created in the gut so you can't just be focused on reducing your anxiety if you're not also focusing on healing your gut health the two are interlaced so as a parent making sure that your child has good gut health is taking supplements isn't eating a shit ton of sugar carbs and gluten and processed dairy you know making sure that they're eating whole foods and their taste buds aren't fucking adjusted to sugar right like or vegetable oil god i wish my parents fucking knew this shit um but you know that they have balanced hormones low inflammation regular sleep schedule to help with their circadian rhythm which teenagers actually need more sleep even though they don't sleep as much but you know all those little things really affect whether trauma is exacerbated in their body and whether things are perceived as trauma um whether more trauma is coming to the surface more anxiety depression um because okay the root hasn't been fixed energetically physically and emotionally and what's adding is that their fucking gut health is screwed that's been the whole fucking trigger to this stuff coming up so ensuring that your child has proper gut health isn't eating a shit ton of sugar sugar is in fucking everything dude so it's wild it's wild even i struggle with this you know i feel like sugar truly is a drug and it's an addiction that's all i'm gonna say um but yeah like having omega-6s free-range chicken pasteurized eggs you know pasture raised not pasteurized um and like as a parent you're in control of what your child's eating you know you're creating their taste buds. You are literally the one that's controlling their taste receptors, right? Their taste buds. And as a child, right, as a kid, if you're if a kid's raised being fed sugar, right? Hello fucking gushers and fruit roll-ups and hot Cheetos, um they're going to need more sugar down the lane. To taste sweetness versus a kid that doesn't eat a lot of sweets growing up when they have candy they're gonna be like ew this is too sweet ew right and another kid can have 10 times that to actually taste the sweetness and our taste buds literally change dependent on what we eat so you know when a child's young you're obviously the one that's in control of what they're eating because you're feeding them and this is the prime time to you know ensure that your kids taste buds aren't being developed to be addicted to sugar and to need a lot of sugar to actually taste something sweet. So it's really important that you do it when, you know, they're young. And like, for example, if you're cooking at home, like you're giving them their food or whatever, right? It's all on you. And okay, like as a teen, they can go buy candy after school, wherever. But 
and you shaming them is not going to help either, by the way, okay? That's, that's going to create more, like, um, eating disorders and shit. But if 80% of their meal is healthy food, when they go eat that candy bar, you know, that 20%, they're probably going to feel fucking sick after it. Versus, like, if they, you know, eat healthy and not always eating out and whatever. So, my point being is, like, the more you can help your child to have a healthy physical body... It's going to help them on every other level of their life. And they're going to reduce their own sugar intake when they're not around you. Because they're not going to be able to tolerate it without feeling sick. They haven't grown up tolerating sugar. So cooking good oil, having quality meat, you know, all that good stuff. Like, it makes a huge difference. Really does. And my dolls. And when you're doing all these things and you're normalizing it at home, your kid's just going to embrace it. You're not going to have to force it on your kid, you know? Like, the last thing you want to do is fucking force shit on them because I think we all know they ain't going to want to do it, right? So, yeah. And maybe, I mean, like, consider dimming the lights in the house around 8 p.m. So, you know, everyone knows, okay, it's time to, like, wind down and be asleep by 9.30, 10 o'clock, maybe 9 because, you know time change but yeah and if you create a healthy environment for them they'll be able to do everything else on their own so hopefully that makes sense I'm gonna leave the episode here and I hope this helps you in terms of reducing as much trauma depression anxiety ADHD triggers projections anger issues all that stuff for your children because it's all connected and I cannot tell you enough like please ensure your kids are eating healthy foods pre-pregnancy and during pregnancy like you want to have the best pregnancy possible you making sure that you're well nourished being you know a highly well deeply nourished woman is crucial because it affects the child's life you know so yeah like your pregnancy determines your child's anxiety and depression. So it all gets passed down and you have the ability to heavily change your child's future, you know, just by doing work on you. Don't fucking underestimate that. So I hope you love this episode. Share it on Instagram, tag me and Take the time to do an uh, Apple podcast review. It takes less than 30 seconds. I really appreciate the value exchange and it goes a really long way. You know, there's so many people that would feel amazingly empowered and supported, especially listening to this episode, you know, like, so I'd really appreciate if you can just help me out. And obviously, if you want to clear your trauma, then you've got plenty of options with me Next year, there's Shuck the Alchemy coming out, which is a really deep group intensive. And then, you know, there's one-on-one sessions as well. So, yeah. And I will talk to you all next week. Take care. Be well. I hope you got lots of empowerment from today's episode. I'd be really grateful if you could leave a review as a simple energy exchange or share this podcast and feel free to tag me on Instagram, Boom Shakti. Help me to live my purpose, adding value to others' lives. 
to work with me or for products to enhance your life, check out bloomshakti.com.